Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's all the same, people. When you're writing, you're teaching yourself how to live. It's true. Uh, Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video some audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. In fact, today, brand new issue up. Got a new interview with the wonderful Elizabeth Rose Stanton, author and children's book author and illustrator. She's interesting. She came to it. She came to it a little later than most folks. Published her first book when she was 60 years old. It's true. And she has found her calling. Isn't that cool? It is. And she's a very cool person. I recommend you check it out at authormagazine.org. Uh, We are also, of course, funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn about PNWA at PNWA.org and go to the Writers Conference in September this year and probably for many years to come. Yeah, we've got it. The conference is great. There will be master classes. There will be workshops. You can pitch your book, if you've got one, to agents and editors, meet other writers. It's a great conference, best in the Northwest, I'd say. One of the best. Oh, let's call it the best. I love it. Anyway, check it out, pnwa.org, pnwa.org. This Saturday, people, I'll be teaching a fearless writing workshop. Saturday, this Saturday, May 5th, from 1230 to 330 at the Good Shepherd Center in Seattle, Washington can learn about it on my website, williamcanard.com. You can sign up for it there. You can just show up if you want, I suppose. Better to sign up ahead of time, though. If you've read the book, if you'd like to work, meet me work one-on-one, I recommend you come to the workshop. Again, you can go to williamcanard.com learn all about it. Ah, well, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Debut novelist Joan Dempsey. Oh, she's got a good book. Joan, uh... Joan has had her short fiction published in numerous journals, magazines, including the Criterion Review and Plentitude Magazine, magazine, and is a writing instructor and a sought-after public speaker. But she is the author of This Is How It Begins, wonderful novel. It was described by Ford as an extraordinarily pertinent novel, dripping in suspense and powerful scenes of political discourse. A good description, I'd say. And she's with me today to talk about all things writing. Joan, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, everybody. Oh, good. You're waving to people out on the Internet. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, so, Joan, let's see. You've got, just, you got yourself an MFA, but what, you, you got bit by the writing bug when? It hap- did it happen a little bit later? Let me just say, actually, let me preface that question by saying, in my informal survey of hundreds of the writers that I've spoken to, I've learned that the average age that writers say, I want to be a writer, is actually like nine, very young. But that's not true for everybody. For instance, I was just describing Elizabeth Rose Stanton, who came to it quite late. How about you? When did you get bit by that bug? Well, I got bit, I got bit twice, I would say. I got bit with Ooh. the bug to actually be serious and become a writer when I was 30. Um, mm, and right. actually, was it 30 or no? It was really even later than that. It was mm, about the year 2000, I guess. So not that long ago. All right. 
that said, wow. when I was a kid, I, I was a voracious reader as a kid, and I was constantly yeah. writing as a kid and, you know, wrote yeah. my way through college and all that stuff. But it never, right. for some crazy reason, never occurred to me to actually become a writer. <laughs> and, uh, all right. But then, when you were young, so you did see, did you study something we we did you have some kind of ap- academic pursuit as a as in your 20s or did you have a career that you thought you were going to try and pursue i i've had numerous careers that i thought i would pursue um, um i wanted to be a graphic designer for a time i oh, was going to be a right. social worker i was going to be a psychologist i spent time managing a design firm and worked in the peace movement and I'm somebody who uh who has an interest in so many different things and it wasn't until right. I landed on writing that I realized oh I can live all of these different lives through my writing so yeah. oh <laughs> and so do you feel like you I mean of course writing can take so many different shapes there's so many different things you can write about but do you feel like uh not to keep referencing my last interview, but it was inter- the story with Joan, or with um, excuse me, not with Joan, but with Elizabeth, <laughs> was that she was an architect, she was a she was an illustrator, she did a lot of different stuff, and at 60 she started, she did her first children's book, and her she found really her calling, uh, according mm-hmm. to her. And so, do you feel like when you found writing and started getting serious about it, that you felt like all those different things that you were going into, the social work, psychology, graphic design, all of which I think have their own connections do you feel like they are all funneled into writing like that all that could be done within the writing yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely within the writing and the writing life i would say um you know and i feel like i'm sort of glad i'm glad i came to it late for a number of reasons maturity being one of them and you know feeling like i have something that i want to say um, and, you know, mm-hmm. on the other hand, it would be great if I started earlier because I'd have more time to do the writing. But, but yes, I mean, wow. once I once I fell in love with the writing, that was it. I mean, it, it happened very quickly in a writing workshop, and I just I knew at that point that's what I want to do, and I've been oh. you know really serious about it ever since. So you're in a writing workshop. You're taking a, oh, there's a spider crawling across my wall. That's so creepy. Well, I'll let him go. Uh, so you're in a, a writing workshop, and um, now I'm going to be thinking about that spider. No, I won't. I'm going to forget about it. Uh, you were in a writing workshop, and so you were just taking it because you're an interested learner, and you're always kind of and then, but something happened in the workshop that 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 the light went off. Yeah, and it was really a writing class. Uh, it was when Grub Street Writers in Boston first got started, actually. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, I ended up taking a beginning fiction writing workshop with Man- Manuel Munoz, was the teacher at that time. And uh. in the first class, the first thing we did was write from a writing prompt, and I had never done that before. And as I began to write, a character appeared to me. And I put yeah. this character on the page, and I thought, oh, my God, it's true. What people have said about this is true. And, oh, so and you heard it, about really. the, uh, So you'd heard about the characters did, did talk to me and did what that. You'd heard all that kind of stuff. Right, I heard all that, and I, you know, I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's a load of crap because, uh. of course, the writer <laughs> controls it. And then in that right. first, you know, that first moment, I thought, uh, and it was literally in that moment that I thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It, oh. it was just so magical, so magical. It's profound, isn't it? See, it's I could have this conversation again and again, and I do <laughs> on this show. Right, but I'm sure you do. Really, I'm sure you do. 
but it's fat. I mean, so you, so you had lived and you'd heard this about the what writers talk about it talking to you, and you think, no, you're alone. They, what the hell are you talking about? But then you have the experience, mm-hmm. and maybe you're woo woo. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But there's like there's like no way to describe it except what they talked to you. They did what they want. They came to you. They appeared to you. It's the only language that right. works, isn't it? It yeah. is the only language that works, and you know I've had this since I since my book came out. I've been out talking to a lot of people, and and you know I always get the question about how did he come up with this book and all of that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And when I try to explain this to people who are not writers, um, they really do look at you like you're woo woo. You know, it's like yeah. well, how does that actually work that a character appears? Like what does that look like? You know, so it's it's interesting to try to describe that process because it all comes as I'm sure you know it comes through the writing. When you write, it things does. happen. Things happen. Yeah. Uh, it's so true. I, I I never get tired of talking about it. I find it's I find I am so interested in how, as I said in my introduction, how what I learn at the page, whether I'm writing creative nonfiction or well, I used to write fiction. I don't do it anymore. But creative, what I call creative nonfiction, spiritual mm-hmm. essays. What I learn at the desk, how I can apply that to the rest of my life. The, you know, the sort of how you have to create on purpose, but in sort of conjunction with something, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, how that applies yep. to the rest of my life. Have you, I mean, I'm particularly interested in that, but do you find things that you learn from writing in terms of working with your imagination, working with your intuition and intelligence can be applied to what? the non-writing part of your life? Well, it's interesting. I think um, I might I might speak about that a little differently because I think what I take um, both into my writing life and into my regular life is is just sort of an insatiable curiosity about mm. what makes people tick, and ah. and that that desire and that interest means that when I'm out in the world. I tend to be open and non-judgmental in learning about people, and and I love uh, that piece. And I think what that does is that opens me up in the same way that I'm open to accepting characters coming to me. I'm open to learning, and I'm open to um, meeting and conversing with people that I might, you know, not run into on a on a day-to-day basis. So so I think that's where the commonality comes in for me. I see. And so, yes, I, not judging, very important uh, when you're writing fiction because those characters, mm-hmm. you kind of have to love them all equally regardless of what they do, you know? Because mm-hmm. right. some are going to do nice right. things, some not so nice. And you kind of have to, not kind of, ideally you love them all. Right, yeah, are interested absolutely. In them all. You know. Absolutely, and I think it shows if you don't. I think if you are judging your character, uh, you know, one thing I do, and I think you do this too, Bill, is I, I read a lot of manuscripts, and and I can mm. always tell when when a writer is writing a character that they either don't know very well or they don't approve of. <laughs> and right. that character yes. lies yeah. flat and dull on the page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, if you if you've ever acted, uh you the, the everyone has to be the hero of the story. Whoever you, whoever you're playing, that's the hero of the for that as far as that person's concerned, they're the hero of the story, even the villain. You know, the villains yes. have have to believe they're saving the world, you know, just yes. from their own <laughs> skewed point of view. Uh right, oh, so that's right. right. You're teaching. Do you find the teaching and I find this true for me, but the teaching helps you as just a writer? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I know a fair amount about uh teaching adults and and there's really no better way to learn than to teach. You yeah, know, whoever you are, if you learn something and then you immediately teach it, it helps cement that learning for yourself. So for instance, I just finished a really massive online class um, called Writing Great Dialogue, and I, I personally love dialogue, so it's part of why I wanted to teach it, because I wanted to learn right. more and more. And it's just been fantastic, because I'm learning so much, and then as people are engaging with the material, I'm learning even more. You know, So I, I love the teaching for that. You know, for that, that so let's, plus, let's, you know. let's have a little class here. So with dialogue, okay. I do love di- – I mean, the one thing I would say I miss from writing fiction is writing dialogue. I did love to – from my – even my from my boyhood, dialogue was the thing that came easiest. And so mm-hmm. I did miss it a little bit, but not enough to go back to fiction apparently. But, uh-huh. but – so when you're teaching dialogue, what would you say – because I, I teach a lot of memoir and personal essay, and there are certain traps I notice people fall into often in that genre. And so when mm-hmm. people are writing – Di- dialogue where do they off what's like the most common i'd say but mistake you see them that you can that that you see the sort of beginning writer fall into with dialogue yeah you know that one's really easy bill i have to say and that is that people don't think about the purpose of dialogue they just put two characters on a page and they have a conversation but they don't think about oh. what role that dialogue is playing in the larger narrative so, for right. instance, in this class that I just designed, I look at five different functions of dialogue, um, and the two most important, I think, are to reveal character and advance the story. And then the right. dialogue can also reflect your theme. It can also enhance setting. It can amplify the tone of your work. And what I have found with people is that they don't think about anything. You know, Sometimes they will think about advancing the story through dialogue, Mostly they just think, well, it's fiction. I have to have some dialogue. And what happens oh. is that, oh, yeah, I mean, and, and then, you know, you have a page of dialogue that's really dull and really, yeah. you know, doesn't, doesn't do anything. So it's really fun to teach the functions of dialogue because people, you know, the light bulb goes off and they think, oh, boy, I never thought of it that way. And, you know, yeah. slowly their dialogue begins to come to life. I actually had a dream about teaching dialogue the other night. I just remembered it, where oh, really? it was the beginning of a scene. And the, yes, and the, and the characters were said began a scene by saying, "Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? Oh, it's good to see you." And I was saying, "No, we don't do that. Don't just have them say hello. Just get get cut past all that intro stuff." Yeah, I had a dialogue dream. That's oh, too much funny. teaching. All right. So, but the teacher has to learn. So when you, so you, oh, I love this writing thing. I love it. Now, what did Joan, because everybody has their learning curves on certain things, right? And so for mm-hmm. you, what was the thing that, that you really had to learn to do that didn't come really naturally to you? Well, I think, you know, what I really needed to learn was the basics of writing a story. Uh, you know, I'm a reader, and so yeah. and I've been a reader forever, so I know what makes a good story, but I had never thought about what makes a good story. So, you know, really those fundamentals, and I learned those fundamentals at Grub Street through a series of workshops I took there and then went on to get my MFA after that. And, you know, I I guess what I would say is that once I fell in love with writing, I just took in absolutely everything I could possibly take in. I think one of the mistakes that people make is that, you know, most of us, know how to write and have learned how to write in school and so when when the idea of becoming a writer sets in people think well i already know how to write 
and so I'll, I'll write a book. <laughs> right. And you know what happens right. there. I, I went in with an attitude of, boy, I want to learn everything I can possibly learn about the craft of writing fiction. And, I, you know, I was in love with fiction. And, you know, I just I really haven't stopped. I haven't stopped. And I feel like that's well, part of what's fun is that I can learn forever, you know. Yeah, well, you just go deeper and deeper. Now, but I will tell you that this is how it begins. This is a Jones novel. I recommend it for you readers who like uh, character-driven, uh, socially, I don't want to say aware, but socially interested fiction. Uh, mm-hmm. I recommend this is how it begins. But what I want to say about this book, Joan, is it's a very mature book, and by which I mean uh, the way you handle the material. It was. Uh, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like a first novel. So I got to say, you. I mean, I know you'd been writing for a while and doing short fiction and so on, but you handled a big subject, and I thought you handled it really well. So congratulations. Well, thank you. I, I, thank you. I appreciate that. No, but you did. I mean, yes. it really, it's it's a, it's a. You're dealing with a tricky subject, um, and a lot, and um, mm-hmm. without trying to go into the whole thing. But I felt you handled it really well. So obviously, you must have been. I mean, first of all, I you had to be really dialed into this subject matter, which which deals with, well, you create like a little terrarium of a community in, uh, it's in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, it's in Massachusetts. That's right, and yeah, Western Mass. Maybe actually, just tell us a little, just maybe for the readers who haven't, listeners who haven't read it, just so we they have some reference point, maybe tell them a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. It's um, essentially, the, the book is set in 2009, and the main character is an 85-year-old, Polish woman who's been living in America for more than 60 years. Uh, She is a World War II survivor. She's Catholic and was involved in the resistance there and rescued Jews. And at age 85, she finds herself getting embroiled in this political firestorm really unexpectedly when her grandson is fired from his teaching position. And he's, he's fired ostensibly for silencing the Christian kids in his classroom but the real reason is he is a one of, he's one of almost a dozen people around the state who are simultaneously fired because they are gay. So what happens in the book is that Ludka, this 85-year-old woman, begins to see some of what she saw in the lead-up to World War II, and she's faced with um, – she has to come ter- to terms with some things in her past and see some parallels that are happening in the, in the present day. That's the, right. the nutshell version. You know, it's a it's a it's a really good story, and um, you you kind of look at the problem from many different sides. Um, it reminds me, I was I was traveling, I was at a I was teaching writing, and I was staying with a, a woman, a writer, and her husband is an, a lawyer, and we were we spent the weekend just talking and talking and talking because that mm-hmm. was all there was to do after teaching, and uh, we kept falling on the subject. We talked some about politics, and. This what this book made me think of is it's sort of like the concept of the other that there is an other. Yes, it seems to me yes. drives so much of it's sort of the original sin I think of for humanity that there is that mm-hmm. it, the other even exists and now it's just we got to figure out who they are, you know. Yes, and yes, this book really looks at it. I don't yeah, know if that's something that's that... always been of interest to you or. It has been. I, you know, really, it's been a, of interest to me since I was a tiny kid. I, really, I really? can remember thinking about, yeah, it's it's been sort of a How lifelong so? thing. Well, like, for instance, growing up, uh, we always had a ton of books around the house, and my father had one shelf that had 
a lot of books on it, like um, No More Lies by Dick Gregory and uh, books like that that were looking at the issue of race. This is, you know, back uh-huh. in the back in the late '60s, early '70s, and yeah. and I was very interested in that stuff back then, and was constantly thinking about the other. I think, in large part, because of that, I you know I come from a family that valued uh, equity and fairness and that sort of thing. Right. So I've always been always been very interested in that, and this novel. Really, you know, it's funny because I remember thinking I don't really want to write about the Holocaust, and the Holocaust, of course, is a backdrop to this novel. It's not set during that time, but this character showed up, and and I I was kind of forced into writing about the Holocaust, and and I'm happy about that because I think the Holocaust is such... You know, it's such a um, study ground for looking at that issue of the other. You know, what is it in human nature that makes us look at other people and and label them and treat them differently? So it's it's always fascinated me. It's always, and you know, it's, and I tell you, as a subject, you could probably write about it for the rest of your life if you wanted to. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And, And never run out of things to say about it or stories to tell about it. Yeah, I think that's really true. Yeah, yeah. My next book, though, I'm looking at the issue of wrongful imprisonment, so it's another uh, another juicy topic. Ooh, all right. So now, do you start with like an issue, or does it start with a character, or how does it start? How do things? How do stories come to you usually? Yeah, definitely character. Uh, definitely starts with character. Um, the this is how it begins. I knew I wanted to write a political novel. I knew I wanted to spend some time at the state house in Boston and I knew that I had this senator character I wanted to write about and he is uh-huh. still in the book as you know, but his mother yeah. came muscling her way in and took things right. over. <laughs> and so that's that's really how this book began is she she is a force to be reckoned with and she just took over that novel. And the the one I'm working on now the main character is actually a um, supporting character in This Is How It Begins, uh, Frank Zelanka, who is her son. He's a firefighter. And oh. I could tell, even while I was writing this book, that Frank also had a story to tell. And so I started following him after I finished this book to see, you know, wow, is there something really? there? Yeah, yeah, which was oh, a really you're doing a Faulkner thing. You're gonna have you're gonna have <laughs> your I? own Yonkmovatonkwa Valley or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, how cool is that? So, you, yeah. so but all right. So this is interesting. So, uh, uh, so you so let's so, so the second book you're following Frank, but you see mm-hmm. when you introduced it to me, you said it's about wrongful imprisonment, but you, you probably didn't know that when you started following Frank, right? You just know no, he's got something right. going on. No, that's right. I didn't. Yeah, he's got something but, going on and. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, all right, so, so this is, so this is interesting. Yeah, so he's going to get some trouble. Well, yeah, you got to have trouble. And no story without trouble. <laughs> yes, always. Uh, That's right. But this is how I find interesting, which is that, uh, so you're someone, you're interested in the other, and so you knew you wanted to write a political novel, and which you did, and it sounds like you're kind of doing that again, although, you know, different, not politics, maybe politics, but wrongful imprisonment is societal, you know. Yep. And so, but, so you start with, even though you start with characters, the characters lead you to the kind of themes that you want to write about anyway. You don't have to intellectually choose them. They just lead you there. Yes, yes, that's right. Right. And, you know, I think that, I think that shows the, that there is a real marriage between who I am and what I'm interested in and this 
speaking of the other, you know, this other magical thing that happens when you tap into characters and they start leading you in a certain direction. You know, it, it's you can't have one without the other, I don't think. So, yeah. No. And, and it's reassuring that if you just tap into a character, she or he will lead you to the kind of stories you want it to. Don't worry. You'll be led to the mm-hmm. stories you need to tell. That's just you can't not tell them. You know, whatever yes, is think, bubbling in your heart is going to come out anyway. Right. And I think that, you know, that trusting myself as a writer that that will happen is really important. And I think that's, you know, that's something it took me a while to learn. Back to your earlier question, that that ability to trust in myself and trust in my instincts and my own unconscious and my own life experience, that all of that stuff will come out and will help me with the work that yeah. that's so important I think especially for new writers to pay attention to to pay attention to themselves and and what arises yeah it's really true that you don't have to you know you you you're you're the author and you're the one who chooses ultimately the words on the page but you have to trust in something uh, a little bigger than you uh to take mm-hmm. over that you don't have to yes. keep um, you don't have to build the whole house, really. There's a lot of it right. is built for you if you just can let it go. Yes. If you can, you yep. can get out. Of, but you've got to, man, you've got to relax, and you've got to trust that it's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, I you had know, this. Um, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say yeah, I had this. I had this great experience very early on writing this book that a lot of folks have heard about. But this was the magical moment: is that I had this very strong image of a an old woman crawling across a smoke-filled room with a rolled-up art canvas under her arm, and I journaled on that to find out what's on that canvas. You know, what is so important that she is dragging this thing out of a fire? And it turned out to be a portrait of Frederick Chopin. And I know nothing about Frederick Chopin. I did not know, for instance, that he he was Polish, like my main character. I did not know that. And it turns out that what she had was this portrait, and the first portrait of Frederick Chopin was not only painted by a Polish painter who she knew about, but also went missing during the Second World War. In real life, that painting has disappeared and has never been seen since. You know, so I knew nothing about any of that, and it uh, all of that came to me. It was fascinating. It still gives me goosebumps it? because it was, yeah, shocking. It's this is <laughs> this is why we do it. And you know what I like about that story? And this is the interesting thing: is okay. So you have this image of this woman crawling through a smoke-filled room with this canvas, and so you said to me, "I journaled about to learn about that." And this is the trick you have to do: is there's a, so you're trying to figure out, quote unquote, what's on that piece of paper like who is this person what's going on but there is a way in which you uh, you can answer that and there's a way in which you cannot in other words you can't manufacture Mm -hmm. the there is a and it's a mysterious thing because what does that mean it's like well it's not three plus three equals six that's not how you find the answer but there is a way that you understand when the when the true like if you said okay i'm my imagination i'm going to unroll that canvas and see what's there to kind of mm-hmm. allow yourself to see it and not you yourself make something beyond that paper. Right? That's right. That's it's right. Hard to even and you describe. know what? I, it is hard to describe and and it's uh, I I always remember um you know the writer Ron Carlson. He's a uh, uh, terrific writer yeah. if you don't know him. 
Yeah, if you don't know him, look okay. him up. But he, I went to a lecture that he gave when I was at my MFA program at Antioch University in Los Angeles, and one of the things he talked about was allowing things to happen. And he said, if you sit down and you write for 20 minutes, something will happen. You know, just keep writing, not necessarily yeah. in a free writing sort of way, but just keep writing. 20 minutes, something will happen. And that's really how I've approached the journaling thing is, you know, if I have a question, I just keep writing. Keep writing and, yeah. you know, char characters appear and artwork appears and who knows what else shows up. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. You're tapping into something bigger than you. It makes yeah. it easier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and alone. it makes it rewarding. That's you know, it's thrilling. It is, it is. I yeah. say that I never feel less alone than when I'm by myself writing and it's going well. I never feel <laughs> less alone than at that moment. I think maybe. Yes, I uh, I agree. All right, well, Joan, uh, as I suspected, you're a very interesting person. It's awesome to get to meet you. Uh, I I'm you so glad well. you're writing your next book. I was going to ask you if you are, but you are clearly. You should be. You should write yep. many books. I feel absolutely certain about that. Uh, so before I ask you my last question, I'm just going to remind my reader or my listeners, it's called This Is How It Begins. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's good. It's good. Go pick up a copy. Um, but i got one more question for you, Joan. If you've watched my interviews or listened, you know what this question is. And I want you to finish this sentence. If writing has taught me anything, it's taught me what? What has it taught you? <laughs> If writing has taught me anything, it's taught me to follow my passion. Do what Good. do what I love. Yes. Yes. Yes, we're not always taught to do that, but you can't, you mm -hmm. know, it's great cuz you can't do this job unless you love it. You must love it right. to have any success whatsoever at it. That's yep. the formula. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Joan, it was so nice to talk to you. Congratulations on the book, and I look forward to seeing your next one. That sounds great, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Take it easy. Okay, you too. See what I always say at the end of the show, people? I say, do what you love. Go out and do what you love, and that's what Joan does. You see? That's what we all we writers do. We've got to do it. We've got to do what you love. Because you're just made of love, so there's really nothing else you can do, I don't think. Well, you can. Yeah, that's not true. You can avoid it, but it's just going to hurt. Uh, so next week I'm talking to oh, a woman. I, I interviewed her for her last novel. You can watch it on on the YouTubes if you want. Deborah Dean's her name. Lovely woman. Can't wait to talk to her about her new book. Until then, go out and get a copy of This Is How It Begins. And uh, in the meantime, do something you love. It's the only thing to do. It's the only thing worth doing. <laughs>